really enjoyed the music. We loved the choir special. That was great. Thank you for that. And um, this morning we are we're going to talk about our first love. And um, we're in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Revelation 2, beginning in verse 1. Will you stand as I read God's word, those that are able to stand? To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my names and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So we're talking about the church of Ephesus. Um, it was um, a letter to the pastor, really. It's, they're talking, he's talking to the messenger, the pastor. Pastor's the messenger for you, all the angels. Uh, some of your virgins say angel. Um, angels were messengers to us, right? And, and so the pastor, he was talking to the pastor and saying, I want to talk to you about these things. Um, it was a powerful city. Ephesus was a big trade market. They had all kinds of people there. It was a really important city. Um, it was part of the Roman Empire, a very large hub of commerce. But it had a large, it had a large population. It was about 40 years old when this letter was written. So you think about this great place with a lot of people coming in. But Jesus is watching over the churches. Is the first thing I want us to think about. Jesus watches over his churches. He's watching over this church. He watches over his church. He walks amongst them, it says. He's walking among... To think that Jesus is walking amongst us may would give some influence on the way we do things. I think about it. About everything we... We would do things a little different if we really thought Jesus was walking among us. We would be a little more intentional, I think. And he commends these churches. Now, they, John is the writer of the letter, and, and he is good about, and Jesus does the same thing for us. He gives them compliments, lets you know, hey, you're doing some things right. Kind of like what we do with our kids or we do with people when we talk to them. Before we're going to tell them what they're doing wrong, we give them, well, now you do a good job with this. We do, an employee maybe. You do a good job with this. You do a good job with However, well, so he's giving them some compliments. They were hardworking people. They, um, they, they, didn't, they didn't miss a beat. They never gave up. They, they really put into things. They kept things up and never gave in. They were a positive influence to many of the strangers in that bustling city. He, they watched out for them, and, and they were there. They refused to let evil ones take over, which is extremely important. We forget that there are people that will try to come in and start spreading their ways of doing things. And you've got to remember, there were a lot of gods worshipped in Ephesus. Not just the one true living God. There were a lot of gods worshipped. 
And so a lot of those pagans that worship those gods would try to bring their influence into the church and try to make things happen. Would, they would try to secularize the church. Sound familiar? We tend to do that, don't we? Commercialization of the church? We can do that too, can't we? See, the, the church at the time, the congregation of Essence, they could see those that wanted to implement the wrong things into the body of Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with trying to meet people in the times. I mean, let's face it, times have changed and things do, are different. But we can't get so secular. Uh, there are churches now that are performing same-sex weddings. I, our church does not agree with that. Matter of fact, Wednesday night, we voted to put it in our constitution bylaws. This is not happening here. Just a strong message because in this society, in this day, there's going to be more and more and more pressure to do those kind of things. And we've got to be careful that we, you know, as they say, the line's got to be drawn somewhere. We, you know, we just have to draw the line somewhere. And this has come to the point. But the church, people today will try and, and implement secular things and commercialized things and all these things to where, what was that, a church or a country club? I'm sure you've heard that comment said before about other churches, about whatever. Oh, that we would never get that reputation because that's not what it's about. He recognized their hard work. They were great at doing programs. That's another caution we all have to worry about. Now, programs are important. Don't get me wrong. We have got to have certain programs, certain things. That's the way we get things done. But if everything becomes about the program and not about what you're trying to accomplish with the program, then things can run awry. I've seen that happen, where they're so busy working on the program, they forget that Jesus is part of this. And we can never let that happen. We'll, we'll forget that people aren't saved by works and what we do. Y'all got that? We get carried away sometimes. We're so busy working for the church that we forget that we're working for the Lord. They, they had purity. They had works. They had patience. Even from when things didn't go well, they kept going. They didn't seem to get tired. They kept on going. <laughs> Sometimes we get tired, don't we? Y'all ever get tired? I imagine you ladies after yesterday's event were pretty tired. Went crashed. You got home. You know, we get tired. But does that mean we focus on that, or what is it? We have we. I get tired when I think nobody cares. You know, I don't mind doing a lot of work for something, but when we do it and nobody cares. Y'all ever felt that way? I mean, I really do. I get. I did all that thing. Nobody even seen me. Well, that's good. My goodness, they, people have poured their lives on who they are. We all have things that drive us. But we also have got to be careful because we get upset with people that are not as passionate about stuff that we're passionate about. See, that's what the church is so cool about. Some people, I'll be honest, Tanya, I, I just, I can't get passionate about a woman's teeth you know now probably because I'm not a woman you know my guess is because I do but I do get passionate when I get my wife comes home and starts 
chattered about it, how nice it was and how much it blessed her and all this. But that's what I get passionate about. You know, that's what I'm saying. There are certain things I don't get passionate about. They just, uh, as many of you know, I'm not a detail person. I don't get passionate about details. Now, I know people that are so excited about having every organized detail lined up right there and their list looks perfect. That's not me. I don't. List? What's a list? I don't take a list about anything. That's, but, but, but I need those people. I want those people around me. I want those people that are taking care of all those crazy details that I forget about. But you see, we all have different passions. You know, obviously I get passionate about music. I'm passionate about praise and worship. I'm very passionate about those things. And that's, that's one of my passions. Some of you have other passions that you're excited about what God's doing. It may be Sunday school. It may be, um, you know, reaching out. It may be, we all have our passions. And guess what? We need all of those passions. We need you to be passionate. We should look down on somebody because they're not passionate about the same thing we are. We should rejoice in the fact that they're passionate about something we are not. Otherwise, things would never happen and get done. So after he gave him all the compliments, bam, you've lost your first love. Her name was Vedana. She had bangs. This cute little hair came down like this. It was the end of my sixth grade year. She was gorgeous. I was in love. I just knew she was the one. She was new. She just started coming to our church in Saba, Puerto Rico. Outside the gate, matter of fact, I wrote the note. Will you be my, will you go steady with me, I think was the words we used back those days. Will you go steady with me? Yes, no, maybe, you know, little boxes. <laughs> the whole bit, you know, she said yes. We, I got to ride home with her one night after church after, to go back to the base because it was just outside the base the church was. And we got stopped at the gate of the base because it had rained and flooded. So we had to sit for an hour in the car with her parents <laughs> while the water subsided enough where we could get through we held hands it was a glorious night <laughs> I was so excited for the flood <laughs> she broke up with me later <laughs> that's a whole nother story but that was my first love. Now, many of you, that just brought back memories of your first love. What, there was something special about it, right? There's something special about our first love. We remember the little details, remember the little feelings we had, the nerves that came along with it. All those things. You remember, if you're married, when you asked her to marry you, or when you first got married, all the sparkly eyes and all that and how wonderful it was and how excited you were how do we feel about our first love of Christ you see when we first accepted Christ remember how it felt we were so excited we couldn't wait 
to do things for him and to work in his church and to do all those. We work for the church, we work for the community because of our love of God, right? That's why we do it. It's nothing to do with other things. It has to do because we think it's right. We just can't wait to do it. We can't wait to be at church. We can't wait to work for God. We can't wait to do the things. It's all exciting and new. But sometimes <laughs> our love grows stale. We call it the ho-hum. Love becomes ho-hum. Now, now women are not really excited about men's love that's ho-hum. Men not, are not excited about their woman's love is ho-hum. And unfortunately, you know, as time goes on and the marriage years go year after year after year after year after year, things get a little stale, get a little ho-hum. Get a little... That happens to us at church, doesn't it? It happens to us with our love with Christ. We love it at first. We're so excited. But then we start getting into life. And life gets in the way. And things get in the way. And it's not that you don't love them. It's just that that passionate, that exciting love has just changed. It's not that we, we, we don't believe we're saved. We're saved. We haven't lost our salvation. We've just not gotten... We just, it takes more for us to go, well, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we got to do this. We got to get excited and enthusiasm. We all know how that works when our people in service get taken for granted. We start negative feelings and wonder why what life might be like without it. And you say, you know, oh, I would never do that. The grass looks greener, you know, in, in relationships, grass starts looking greener somewhere else. Or elsewhere, things look better. Oh, maybe this other church would be better. Or maybe, oh, this. And resentment comes and rears its ugly head. And all those things happen as we get ho-hum. But now you say, I could never get ho-hum with God. I can't get that way. Oh, really? You sure? Lay out a church a few weeks. And see how much easier it is when you, to lay out the next week. COVID's showed us that, hasn't it? We had to lay out of church for a while. A lot harder to get back into the groove. We get used to doing things, seeing things. But you lay out a few weeks. Um, it, it's just easier next time. Quit reading God's word for a while. It's harder to read his word every day again. Stop tithing for a while and start using the money to accumulate stuff and watch your view of how the church spends its money all of a sudden. It's interesting how that happens. You know, I've been working in churches for a long, long, long time, many, longer than many of you have been alive or some of you have been alive. I've been in the church ministry. And I've watched over the years with churches. I don't know anything about this churches, so I can, I can say this, because I'm obviously not talking about you all. But it seemed like the loudest ones that were griping about how the church was spending its money and all that were people that didn't give a nickel. I mean, they were loud and boisterous about it. And they'd go on, that church blew that money on that thing. Guess what? When we put our priorities in the wrong place, our priorities are in the wrong place and we start focusing on things that have nothing to do with what it is. Folks, we don't give money to this church, we give it to the Lord. The Lord takes care of it. 
if COVID has proved nothing else, it's proved that because I, a lot of the churches, and this church is one of them from what I can tell, didn't miss a beat financially during the time when everybody was laying out. I mean, think about that. I, when I first was thinking about retirement, I thought I was going to have to retire because I thought with COVID, the church is come, not going to be able to afford to keep me. So I started thinking, how do I line up my life to do this because they're not going to be able to afford it? Well, we weren't in it very long, and I realized we were doing better through COVID than we were before. Now, folks, there's no other way to say that God does that. You can give no other praise and no other excuse for how that happened is God does it. That's how God works. He takes care of it. Their money has nothing to do with it. So it's easy to give our second best to God, but we should be giving our best. With God has to be our first and our best love. If he is not first, he is not at all. We all play in our relationship with God sometimes. <laughs> but we've got to be very careful. He says, remember from the height which which you fall. Because I've seen many a church soar like eagles. They're really going fine. All of a sudden they lost their first love and start trying to cater to other people, cater things, and things go down soon. We have to be very careful of that. When we first started with Christ, that love we have, we've got to repent to get back to that. We have to stop, and he says, stop and repent. And what was, the, what was going to happen if we didn't? Judgment. None of us want judgment to come down on the church. You want to talk about locking the doors? That'll lock the doors when judgment comes down on the church. And we've got to be careful because our first love has got to be that. Jesus Christ. Where our first love is to follow him, to put him first in everything we do. We don't have a trunk or treat if Jesus isn't first about it. We don't have a lady's tea if Jesus is not first about it. We don't have a Thanksgiving if we don't do anything if Jesus is not the center of what we're doing. That's why we do them. We have Sunday school to have Jesus, to teach Jesus, to get into his word and to learn more and more about it. That's why we do it. I stand up here and speak. Not for any other reason, but to let you know that Jesus loves you, cares for you, and to have him to be your first love in your life. That's when you'll see the difference happen. I don't want to see Jesus stop walking amongst us. We want Jesus to continue to walk amongst us. Then he said, I'm glad you hate the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were a group that would eat the food sacrificed to idols they had sexual immorality they were not they would try to act like oh we love god but no they didn't they brought let the gods of balaam kind of incorporate them and get in the midst of them and he says you've got to be very careful of those folks because they'll kind of weasel their way in and this church stayed away from them he said i don't want that strong word is hate you know we don't like to use that word but there are certain things we need to hate and those are the kinds of things, sin, those things that get between us and God. And he says, God despises the corruption when he is established. The early, um, remember, if you remember, he committed, he talked to the early Israelites, don't intermarry. Why? Because of their love for other gods. And he knew it would destroy their relationship with him. And he, and he says, you, unequally yoked, you've heard that, you know, couples should not be unequally yoked. 
it has nothing to do with race or any of that stuff nearly as much as it has to do with Christians, non-Christians. That's unequally yoked. When you have two totally different mindsets. And then he says, if you hear, listen to what the Spirit is telling you. Look at his promises. He says, what he say? If you'll do this, what will happen? I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the, in the paradise of God. You get to have eternal life with him, eternal life and glory. First love is that our love for Christ should be our first love. I can't tell you enough how important that is to bring that back to us. When we put Christ first, when he is first, everything else drops into place. It really does. He should be first in your marriage. He should be first in your family, in your work life, in your church life, in your home life, whatever your life is. I don't care who you are. He has to be first. We try to secularize our faith, but we've got to keep it pure with Christ as our first and strongest love for him. That's what's important. That's what we look for. We can all look back and remember first loves for a lot of things. First time you loved Georgia football or Georgia Tech football or any other football or any sport or that certain person or that family or that relationship that you have our first love of Christ when we first accepted him. Think back to how excited it was. You, what, you couldn't wait to tell people, could you? You couldn't wait to... I asked Christ in my life yesterday. I did this. I can't wait to see what he's got in store for me. When he tells you what he's expecting from you, that, that ministry that kind of pops all of a sudden in your head, oh, I can do that. That's how I can serve him. Those are the first loves we can't... We have to remember... He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We all have ears here today. We need to hear what he is saying to us about the first love, about bringing our love back to him and putting him first in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the love you've shown us, that love, Lord, that is unconditional. Help us to be the same, to love unconditionally, to love those around us, to love you with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our beings, with all who we are. We love you, Lord, and we give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our time of invitation. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, if you've never done that, this is a great time to do that. Maybe you would like to unite with this church. We would love to have you as part of Forest Heights. There may be other decisions you need to make. This is your time as we sing.